Welcome to the Dharma Spring. A connection and a journey and a flow here and looking at the the three of the ones from tonight. Um, looking at them but also looking at our considering our conversations and explorations of the past days you know what I see is with the first one from Ikyu belly swollen full of hell countless eons of passions wildfires burning without end but flowering grasses are born again in the spring wind it seems a primary activity of that is just noticing um, noticing within myself the conditions, noticing around me the conditions of things, the passions, the hell, the fires, but also noticing, and it, while that's happening, flowering grasses are still being born in the spring wind. And then people noticing, uh, sometimes that last line felt like a hopeful thing, sometimes not so much, uh, or the hope became cynicism, as was offered for us. Um, some, that, that perplexion of, well, how can that be? We have all this crazy stuff happening, and then here's these grasses and flowering at the same time, um, not competing, not in opposition to one another, and all this happening together. Um, so it can be perplexing, but also maybe comforting that, you know, noticing, oh, all's not lost. Perhaps something like that. Even in the midst of all the turmoil, there's something being born, something growing, and the possibility of that. And not being conditional on get rid of the other stuff so that this can happen. It's like right in the midst of it. It's happening, yeah. So then we move into the second one with Dung Shan and the person asking about cold and heat. How can we avoid them? Well, go to the place where they aren't. <laughs> where is such a place? When it's cold, the cold kills you. When it's hot, the heat kills you. This comes off as, uh, after noticing things, and this question about, okay, you know what, what do I do about this? These various things. Um, seems to be primarily looking at the difficult things, as it was discussed. In my own condition, my own territory, my climate, as I was saying the other day, I've got kind of settled, I'm okay here, but then cold and heat come and I have to adjust or try to keep them from affecting it. It's going to mess up <clears throat> all the work I've done to establish my good climate. So what do I do about those things that might be threatening or challenging me or um, impeding upon my territory? So there's the question and this kind of advice, and then the advice about how to engage. You know, well, go to where there isn't any cold or heat. What I notice is, well, logically, from my perspective, the place where there is no cold and heat is that place I've built up and protected from it. So that might be the first thing I think, but then when the cold comes, the cold kills you. When the heat comes, the heat kills you. It's like, well, that's different. That's not about protecting my territory. It's about surrendering it and going to a place where I don't have to defend and protect and keep 
um, the energy into holding up what I've established and it's like that part of me is killed dies and then I'm free to fully engage and become intimate <laughs> with the cold and the heat I remember my question came up of, and then what is born as that what possibilities arise when that happens um, so now I see oh yeah that's connected to that first one again So more, more so, still in the in the wondering phase, the second one I think. What do I do about this? Give me some advice. Well, here's the advice. Whoa, that's not the advice I expected. But hmm, let me consider it. Let me think about it. What it might be like. And then this um, third one from tonight feels like the place of engagement, and the place of, you know, engaging like that over time. Up maybe a place that just becomes a place of being. These uh, two blades cross. No need to retreat. You know, the two blades could be the cold and the heat come and they cross, you know. And there's no need to try to avoid them, no need to run away. And maybe this is now a person talking to himself rather than somebody offering advice. Sitting here going, oh, right now, two blades cross. Hmm. No need to retreat. And then this... The commentary, an adept is like the lotus in the fire, with a natural determination to soar to the heavens. So, noticing how it is, asking for advice what to do with how it is, getting advice on how to engage, and then this last one, engaging, meeting things, over and over, practicing this, and then coming into maybe a way that just becomes a way of being. I'm noticing my neighbor mowing the lawn, so... <laughs> not letting, I'm not letting those blades cross in here with us. <laughs> um, so yeah, a way of engaging and being that develops from this. So this third one, which I want to spend most of the time on tonight, or I'm going to spend most time on tonight, it's also from Dangshan, from the, the teacher in the second one. And it's the, he wrote up something, or is believed to have written something called, uh, more often than not, it's called the, the Five Ranks. There's another version, the Five Positions. It's kind of the um, orientations, is another one, how to orient, the, the orientations of things. And this is the fourth of the fifth, the fourth of the five. <clears throat> and it deals with, the relative and the absolute, the five different phrases that he offers, talk about the relationship of the relative and the absolute, or the uh, ephemeral and the temporal, the formless and form, you know, the, those kind of opposites. And each of the ranks or positions just talks about their relationship, kind of how they dance along together and change positions with one another but stay connected. And so that's what this is about. The two blades cross in the traditional formulation here is the blades of the absolute and the relative meeting like that two blades crossing which brings up the idea of fighting you know sword play these two things at battle with each other they cross but there's no need to retreat which means you don't need, you don't need to separate that we don't need to uncross them and then i wonder 
do you even need to go further? And rather than retreating, is it separating to give another blow? There's something about letting them stay together and stay crossed that feels like bringing an end to the battle in a way. Just keep the blades there touching. No need to retreat. No, re no, no need to get energy for another blow. Let the blades cross. And then the adept being like the lotus in the fire is like that crossing, this beautiful lotus flower in the midst of flames that you would think the flames would consume the lotus, but in this particular version, and we'll hear a little bit more later, um, the flames, well, this particular lotus is enlivened by the flames. It grows and becomes brighter. It needs them. So it's kind of the meeting of those opposites helps that beautiful uh, lotus grow, bloom, become more vibrant. With a natural determination to soar to the heavens, releasing what's naturally within it, you know, finding its true nature in the meeting of those opposites. So-called opposites. <laughs> um, this morning when I was looking at this and considering it, with those two blades crossing, it was a different experience than when I've met this phrase before. Um, before it was like I've been describing the idea of the relative and the absolute and just the overall idea about the blending of the two in life, how those two aspects, the vast and the particular, formlessness and form, are blended and not two and dancing along like that. But this morning, what I felt was, well, not literally, but that the two blades were crossed in, inside of me, like, like I'd been stabbed by both blades and they crossed within me. <laughs> that was interesting. Um, and that wasn't about form or formlessness, it was just about the meeting of various things coming together like that. And um, noticing that I, I was the territory, I am the territory in which they intersect, within which they intersect. And to take it away from the blade thing, but this whole dancing of the two, or the not two, is happening within me all the time. I give it the territory and the environment, the container in which all that can happen. Because, you know, with those two blades crossed within my body, I, there wasn't an impulse to pull them out right away. I didn't actually ever have the impulse or desire, let me get rid of them. I think part of it was from watching movies, but it's also probably true. It's like when you get stabbed, if you pull it out, you might bleed out. So it's better just to leave it in you <laughs> until you can get the proper care or something. But this wasn't about waiting until the proper care came. It was about, it's okay. Let these stay here within me, crossed. Let me be pierced like that. Um, didn't have any thought for how long or anything, but just noticed it's okay. I don't want to remove these and do anything about it. So yeah, that was interesting to notice. Um, Something that had floated up the other day, too, that I didn't think of too much, but became clearer and more um, relevant looking at this phrase, which, again, I hadn't encountered until, well, this morning, I think. 
<laughs> but it's um, from our vows, from the precepts. Um, the precept on not indulging in anger. And these are Dogen's words, where it says, Not attacking, not withdrawing, not real or unreal. There is an ocean of bright clouds. There is an ocean of solemn clouds. Yeah. So that place where things are mixing and or just a place where things are feeling tense and how do I deal with this? How do I avoid this? How do I get out of here? You know, this was Dogen's advice. Not attacking. So no need to charge at it and try to get rid of it and do something about it. Not withdrawing. No no need to retreat. No need to run away. Not real or unreal. Um, which brings in, I am not certain. Yeah. Maybe I don't need to be so certain that this is a problem. And attack it. Or, or so certain that it's not a problem. I don't need to do anything about it. Don't need to withdraw or let it withdraw. Um, not trying to settle, is this an issue or not, but just meeting it as it is. Noticing, yeah? And that's the next piece. The, there's an ocean of bright clouds. To me, it doesn't have any kind of meaning I need to figure out. It's just sitting back and going, oh, sometimes when things meet and cross like this, it's like an ocean of bright clouds. Other times, oh, an ocean of solemn clouds. So just the observation, just the noticing, nothing to do about it other than notice it and engage from that place. Which to me blends together with the, uh, the fourth position about the blades crossing and not retreating and being like that lotus sitting in the fire. Engage there, unfold from there and just notice how it is and follow that, yeah? Hmm. <clears throat> so another interesting thing about this, well, all, all five of these positions, as part of the koan curriculum and all the study that um, in the path of being named a teacher, part of the study was taking up these five positions as koans. And Joan had a handout that she had them listed on. I think it was her translation. I'm not exactly sure. It said translation in progress on the notes that I saw. But there was next to each of the five position, the five verses, were a pair of trigrams. So those lines, if you're familiar with the uh, I Ching, you get the hexagram, the six lines, but each of those is a trigram, an upper trigram and a lower trigram. And these were not, um, they weren't bunched together like a hexagram. They were like this. I drew the, this, these are the ones that were there for, ooh, there we go, for this one. So an upper trigram and a lower trigram. In this case, the upper one means penetrating, and the lower one means open. And I thought that fit in beautifully with all this. It's, you know, the penetrating. Things are coming at me. They're, they're entering. They're coming forth. And then the bottom one, 
I'm open, I will receive them and welcome them and allow them to enter. You know, the blades crossing, the, the flames of the fire, the, the cold. Let that penetrate and, and come into my territory. So that's really a nice uh, rhyme with this phrase in the exploration of the week. But I was curious with each of these, and I'll only speak about this one tonight, I bunched them together. I put the two trigrams together to make the hexagram and wondered which, um, which I Ching symbol does this create? And this one creates number 61 which is called Centering and Connecting to the Spirits. Well, that seems good advice, yeah? This advice of the two blades crossing, don't need to retreat, be like that lotus in the flyer, with these symbols next to it, which I'm not sure why they're connected to these yet. I haven't figured that out. But when you, and they weren't bunched together, but when you bunch them together, they become this advice from the I Ching of centering and connecting to the spirits which is kind of lovely, yeah, that, another beautiful rhyme. Um, so I'm just reading here the, little, the short description in the book that I have that appears right beneath the title. Of course, there's many words and things written about uh, each of the hexagrams. But this is just the initial thing that it says. Um, initial words. Sincere truthful connect your inner and outer lives a heart emptied and at peace connection to the spirit captives offered in sacrifice <laughs> major site of initiation and creative transformation the opened heart So while the, um, the I Ching is kind of geared towards you as an individual, here's some individual advice and giving, uh, speaking from that perspective, you know, I was rolling this into our, what we've discovered this week and our exploration and maybe the advice that we're coming to or being offered or maybe what we're finding through our engagement. But that sincere and truthful is like, just be real. <laughs> Meet things as they are. Come forward as you are. Sincerely, honestly, directly. Yeah. Connect your inner and outer lives. Well, how many inner and outer lives do I have, I wonder? <laughs> I've got my inner and outer within me and my inner and outer around me. Then there's the outer world and the world I'd like it to be. I mean, there's so many of those. But the advice here is connect them. Blend them. Let them mix and mingle. Don't try to separate them. And when they are separated, bring them together. Let everything join together. Let everything meet and be. Connect those lives. A heart emptied and at peace. Hmm. That calls to forth that feeling that when I, when I surrender my territory in give up the projects of protecting and defending and fortifying the walls around it and I can be open. I find my heart is more at peace. It doesn't make sense though when you surrender and open to things to allow them and to welcome them. It doesn't make sense to my head but my heart does feel at peace because I can rest. 
I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. My energy is available for something else. And it just, like even saying right now, my shoulders kind of drop. I'm like, oh, that's good. <laughs> um, connection to the spirit. That could be, you know, the spirit of life and existence that is the blending and the harmony of the opposites, the yin-yang of things. But also connection to the spirit of each thing as it is. Each thing with its own Tao, its own Dharma, it, that kind of spirit. My spirit, my Tao, my Dharma, connecting with the Tao and the Dharma and the spirit of all things, blending and meeting together. So not just this general idea of connecting with the spirit, but the intimate and direct, moment by moment, meeting and connecting with the spirit of things. Yeah. And this one, the captives offered in sacrifice. <laughs> um, I was going to leave that one out initially because I was like, I don't know about that. Because some of the things they mention in this I Ching are based on historical happenings or myths and at a time where maybe you did have captives and you would sacrifice them as an offering. But what occurred to me is, well, the captives that I'm offering in sacrifice are my opinions and my judgments, and my knowings, the things that I have captured reality with, yeah? And told a story about. And said, this is how it is, this is how I am, and this is how it should be. To take those captives, or to take the things captured by those stories and judgments and opinions, and offer them in sacrifice, to release them, yeah? In service of the connection with the spirit, in the general sense, in that particular sense. And this being a major site of initiation and creative transformation, it's like, oh, those possibilities that open up when we allow this, yeah. When we do these steps and offer these sacrifices and surrender and meet things. I guess that's that question I had before of when after the cold or heat kills me, what's born? That's this. Some kind of beginning, initiation, and creative transformation. Those possibilities endlessly opening up. Waiting to be embraced and realized. And here when it says the opened heart, the, the O and the H are capital. Capitalized. So, in a way saying, this is the result. It's like a title that the being you become is you are the opened heart. Welcoming all things, embracing all things, meeting all things, engaging with all things, you are the opened heart. Yeah. So that was fun to kind of explore and play with and just see how, oh, all these connections of things when I allow it, uh, the, the, the words from the week. That we've been enjoying together. I wanted to close here with um, Hakuin has his it was a different translation of this fourth, actually all five positions um, I think ranks, he called them ranks so you'll hear me saying ranks as I read it here possibly. So Hakuin wrote the verses, translated them in his way and then he wrote little comments on each one, commentaries so I just want to read what he wrote about this 
this one in particular, which he you'll see in the beginning of his commentary, he equates with the Bodhisattva way. This is part of the Bodhisattva path, that willingness to be the lotus in the flames, yeah? So I'll read this and um, close with it, and then we'll open it up for what people would like to bring forward. So he calls the fourth rank the arrival at mutual integration. When two blades cross points, there's no need to withdraw. The sword master is like the lotus blooming in the fire. Such a person has in and of oneself a heaven-soaring spirit. In this rank, the bodhisattva of indomitable spirit turns the dharma wheel of the non-duality of brightness and darkness. Standing in the midst of the filth of the world, head covered with dust and face streaked with dirt. Moving through the confusion of sound and sensual pleasure, buffeted this way and buffeted that. Such a person is like the fire-blooming lotus that, on encountering the flames, becomes still brighter in color and purer in fragrance. Entering the marketplace with empty hands, yet others receive benefit. This is what is called to be on the road, yet not to have left the house. To have left the house, yet not to be on the road. Is this an ordinary person? Is this a sage? The evil ones and the heretics cannot discern this one. Even the Buddhas and the patriarchs cannot lay their hands upon this one. Were anyone to try to indicate such a person's mind, there would be no more there than the horns of a rabbit or the hairs of a tortoise that have gone beyond the farthest mountain. That horns of a rabbit and hairs of a tortoise show up again and again in the literature as things that don't exist. <laughs> um, so yeah. The horns, there would be no more than the horns of a rabbit or the hairs of a tortoise that have gone beyond the farthest mountain. Still, one must not consider this state to be the final resting place. Therefore it is said, such a person has in and of oneself a heaven-soaring spirit. What must be done in the end? Well, what must be done in the end? <laughs> one must know that there is one more rank the rank of unity attained. Thank you for listening. For more about Andrew Palmer and his teachings, please visit bowandroar.com and look for him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.